welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 256. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And happy birthday, Scott. Thank you. Very good. This this what episode is this for your life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the, uh, the meaty side of the curve. Uh, there we go. There we go. Very good. Oh, well, I'm happy to be celebrating it with you. Absolutely. And, and thank you, as I remarked on the uh, Facebook Live video that you gave me some dad's hat while you were on and letting fast from spirits, but you did not well, withhold your, from me, which is my birthday. It's your nice. birthday. So happy. It's uh, you, uh, when the bridegroom is here or the birthday groom is here or however one, I don't know exactly how one determines those things, but yeah. And I wonder if I wonder if you've given me plenty of uh, bourbon and rye over our 256 episodes. <laughs> so that's a lot. That's a lot of bourbon. We didn't drink. We don't drink every episode. No, no. But, uh, just the the election night episode itself could have sent us into rehab. <laughs> I remember when when we've told this before, but uh, one of our listeners called me the day after the election and said, uh, "Wait, you guys are up? Like, are are you guys sober?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, we're both up, and we're both sober." He's like, I'm, she's like, I'm shocked. He's like, how pissed was Bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's such a great question. <laughs> we should have a bill meter. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. know, Bill, you know, those hospital things where you ask my mood or my pain. Right. Like, you, yeah. Bill's mood is, we should, <laughs> that would be the swag instead of the crackers and grape juice shirts. We could just have Bill's mood is, how bad is Bill? You could have a bill, like a bill stickers. Right. By the way, did you see somebody did a really nice... Uh, like cartoonish character. caricatures of, of them. So yes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna add, reach out to her and ask if she would do one for That'd us. Be lovely. I think it'd be cool. That would be nice. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think both of us have caricatureable features, but both body and soul. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird. I was um, my son and I were out to lunch uh, Sunday. We went to the our, one of our favorite places, your favorite Churchville. It, John was this John? John, yeah. One and, of my favorite. John is really. I, I don't want to say that the other brothers, I hope, aren't listening. John is Lindy's definite favorite boar brother. It might even be eclipsing you. I mean, he, she, he's, a, she's a... Favorite, her favorite boar. Just in general. He's yeah. a very charming well, guy. He's very, fun. Very nice. Well, that's fine. He can... If, if if I have if I have to be supplanted, I'm glad it's you you're know. like John the Baptist. If you it must decrease, <laughs> yeah, the, I must he decrease. might increase. He must increase. Anyway, we're sitting there at the par and uh, uh, having lunch, and somebody goes, "This." The wife goes, "You were you were my professor," and I go, "Yeah, well, possibly." Where did you? Uh, I'm not ruling it I'm out. Not, well, I was. She, I go, "Did you? Where did you go to school?" She goes, "Temple and Holy Family." I go, "No, I was not your professor." Are you sure? I go, yeah, I've never taught at those places. Well, you really look like my professor. Then her husband goes, you're an actor, aren't you? I go, no, I'm not. You should have said, yes, it's Russell Crowe. <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> but then they go, well, then you people tell you you look like an actor. And I said, well, sometimes I get Michael Keaton. He goes, no, that's not it. <laughs> so I don't know. It was so bizarre. It's bizarre when strangers You should have been like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah. But at any rate. So maybe our caricatures will look like famous people that are not us. 
Uh, so that's nice. We could just go to the next, uh, we could go to the next time you have Lansdowne days. <laughs> get to, yeah, yeah get to, exactly. Get the person's drawing. Or Wildwood, New Jersey. Wildwood, you know, do a road trip to Wildwood. I always say Wildwood, New Jersey is like, if you're trying to imagine it, it's like if you just took South Philly and dropped it on the beach. Yeah, that's that's probably right. That's a good way to talk, think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. So you so sent you, you sent me an article. Speaking, yeah, speaking of, of South Philly, speaking of Wildwood, New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because I have a really different opinion of South Philly. I love South Philly. Like uh, I love it. I used to live there. I just love the whole vibe. Ooh. I don't love Wildwood. Well, you can also get you could get some of that vibe at Sea Isle City too. Yeah, Sea Isle without some of the you know Wildwood is not my favorite of the Jersey beaches. It was when I was a teenager, but that's, that's well, a different yeah, story. When your hormones are when you're when you're young, yeah, and young, yeah. It's uh, I I feel like I'm going to tighten the connections. I hear a slight kind of weird ch at the end of each of our sentences, but I'm just going to try to tighten them. All right, it is a thing here, you know, in the greater Philadelphia area. Which Jersey Shore you go to? Yeah, that's it is. a big thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's interesting because I grew up going to. Ocean City, and we rent a place in Ocean City largely because Lindy has a coworker, a former coworker now, I think, but a coworker who owns several pieces of property and gives it to us. At like a, it's a pretty nice place. It's not small, and it's 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 rents really cheaply the week mm. of Labor Day, and she gives us a pretty steep discount. So like, it, it, but Ocean City, New Jersey. I mean, it might not be the one. It probably would not be the one I would no. do. Of although it's, I mean, there's it's nice. It's, it's, it's nice. a great family town. Very family there's a lot of things you, positive you could say about, it, but there are some things. I like Cape May. Oh, Cape May's awesome. I like Barnegat Light, which yeah, and uh, and I lived on, on in uh, Long Long Branch, which was I liked Long Branch that area up there. It's totally different vibe. That's a New York. That's the yeah, New York yeah, beach. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and Stone Harbor. I like Stone Harbor too. So, but uh, yeah, that was that's quite that's uh, that you can. There are generations that go back to the same, you know, multiple generations go, go back to the same place in New Jersey. That's kind of a big family thing here. Yeah, and I tend to think that what I like about towns, sort of in central North Jersey, is the zoning. I think is better. Yes, yes, they they are not as commercially developed. Yeah, yeah I yep. find that attractive. Like yeah. it, it looks like real, what I would call like a real town. All right, this has been your uh, real estate real estate podcast for this Friday. I, I kind of like real estate. I mean, like my uh, friend Chris is a real estate dealer, and I always like. I think it's an interesting, and it's given us, you know, one of our great presidents. <laughs> it's given us something, you know. It's. Uh, I just heard a comment. I have to bring our overlays up. Yeah. I'm sort of messing with the sound a lot. I know. Well, it's your birthday privilege. You can kind of there's all kinds of things going on here. There's so let me lots tell you, of gadgets going on. I'm here. thinking about, and, and our audience can weigh out on this and see if they would think it's something that they'd be interested in. I'm thinking about buying a piece of equipment. It's only a couple hundred bucks, and it would it would involve a, a slight change in the uh, in how we're doing things. I oh, know I'm on the wrong thing. I'm trying to get the uh, our comment thing up. Overlays window. Bring all the front. There we go. By the way, for those of you who are not are listening for the first time or something, we do we tend to do a. We also simultaneously do this on Facebook Live. So sometimes if we talk about something that is happening, it, it sounds like we have callers or something. It's because we're actually responding to Right. It. People will show overlay window. There we go. Oh, no, we'll I, weigh in. So. I want to see the comment window, though. Uh, options. Here we go. Bring all the front. I should have the comment window, but I can't see it. Friends, if you're making comments, just give me a second and we will 
We will find the... Uh, oh, there we go. That was Josh's old comment <laughs> from two podcasts ago. But it's still... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. The comment window. There is There is the comment window. I think you said you've been trying... But the Abraham... Oh, that's old. The Abraham Heschel comment still is a good one yeah. from two episodes ago. <laughs> we love that. We love yeah, that. Uh, yeah. But anyway, this piece of equipment I'm thinking about getting would actually allow us to take calls. Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, there we go. Comments and reactions. There we go. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. That's from Elaine Viergaver. Viergaver. Uh, how would you say that, Viergaver? She is Lindy's grandma, my grandmom-in-law, which means I'm, I'm like the outlaw. Viergaver. So uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice. So this piece of equipment would allow us, like, it would just, it would basically be a replacement for something we already have, but it would allow us to actually connect the phone in and people could actually call in. And we, and we have a dedicated, it would record it in a separate track. Like, so wow, it would cool. be on the podcast. Like it actually, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I thought it'd be kind of cool. I mean, it would, I mean, people, it would be like live to tape. I mean, we, we could yeah. have live to tape callers. That'd be good. I like that idea. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcasts, projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Zoll, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedian, Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. All right, yeah. you sent me an article that I read. Grandma, um, grandma in love. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Thank you, Grandma. You're and and love to you in Colorado. All right. I did send you the article as opposed to the ones you don't read. I read most of what you send most, me. Yeah, I do. I, that's fair. Yeah, I do. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I think it's actually a very uh, it, uh, it's a very important uh, comment. Matter of fact, I just put a paragraph up today on the Resident Exile site, and people already were responding to it because I do think it uh, it articulates uh, something very uh, very problematic, and I agree with them. Very serious going on in the country. This is from the New York Times, and it's in the opinion section on March second, just six days previous to my birthday. By the way, I just want to say I share my birthday with International Women's Day, and you can take from that. Whatever you want, but it's a fact. There you go. All right. So it is in the opinion section by Arthur C. Brooks, who I feel like I I, I know him from other stuff, but I, I don't know what it is. He, yeah. 
See from the American Enterprise Institute. Enterprise Institute. Yeah. And the article is called Our Culture of Contempt. The problem in America today is not incivility or intolerance. It's something far worse. Yeah. And I think the fact that... Uh, that sounds like a Fox News thing. <laughs> it's, not, it's not incivility or intolerance. It's liberals. <laughs> or, or, or Sean Hannon be like, tune in tonight to find out. Are liberals the biggest problem in America? We'll talk about it. Well, maybe Sean's going to say they're not. <laughs> We're from pins and needles. Well, you know, the one paragraph that really stood out to me was that the, the level of animosity between Republicans and Democrats in this country, and again, I forget all the criteria they measured it, is worse than that between Israelis and Palestinians. Palestinians, yeah. That's, that was, uh, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's, um, very problematic. Okay, well, how does he... That's why we need the wall. <laughs> we need it between the red and the blue states. <laughs> yeah, forget about Mexico. Um, did you... So the, this idea, how does he define contempt? That might be important as opposed to we disagree or we're annoyed with each other or angry with each other. It's great because he's like, I'm a climatologist. Uh, well, he says he's a passionate about ideas, but he talks about climate and and weather and how if you're a climatologist, you don't look at weather, right? You don't look at the hot day or the cold day as proof of global warming or as proof that it's not happening. What you do is you look at, you know, the climate, the big picture. But he says, you know, even a climatologist has to think about whether when a hurricane comes ashore, he's saying that's what happens is happening today that, you know, that this you know, that we're more divided since the Civil War, that we have tensions that, that rage as high as the Palestinians and the Israelis. And he talks about how our problem is not intolerance or, or our passions or, you know, too much division around ideas. He thinks that's often very good. And part of what makes a free right. society better is the free exchange of ideas. He says that, that it's motivation, attribution, asymmetry. The assumption that your that your ideology your ideology is based in love, while your opponents is based in hate, uh, and that research found that again that he says that this is where it, it, that the motivation asymmetry Republicans and Democrats is like Palestinians and Israelis. Right. Each side thinks it is driven by benevolence, while the other is evil and motivated by hatred, and is therefore an enemy with whom one cannot negotiate or compromise. Yeah, that's the problem. When someone's your enemy, uh, then they have to be stopped. One way or the other. Yeah, and he says that you know people say that the problem is today is incivility or intolerance. That's not correct. Motivation, attribution, asymmetry leads to something far worse: contempt, which is a noxious brew of anger and disgust. Uh, and he quotes Schopenhauer as saying, "Contempt is the unsullied conviction of the worthlessness of another." And you know what's interesting about this is that the Gottliebs, who didn't they predict basically uh, all of the top kind of uh, uh, motivation, where they did that study on couples, long-term study, right, and they right. predicted with 100% which ones would divorce and which ones wouldn't. And they they picked it up with like 100% accuracy, of course, like who would divorce and who wouldn't. Hmm. And it was the couples that moved, they picked contempt up in their language. Oh, uh, yeah. Where it was not like, it was like, it went from, we we I really was charmed by his humor and you know, an intelligence or something. And then it's like, I don't know what I ever saw. You know, it's these kind of, they move not just, in, they say it's not infidelity, it's not uh, it's not conflict, it's not all these things. It's, that's the predictor. It's contempt. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting thing because there, when you, contempt is, 
I mean, you can disagree with someone and you can be, you can be furious with someone, but contempt is where you have, uh, in some levels, you've gone beyond caring. In other words, there's a sense when you're angry at somebody, you are still in relationship with that person. Yeah. But contempt is that, you know, they're not, they're not worth, in some levels, they're not worth the emotion that you've invested or feeling towards them. They're not worth caring about. Yeah. And, and actually they're worth, uh, non-care what the yeah, opposite of care is uh, yeah you know I think there's been a lot of <clears throat> again there's been a lot of work over the years a lot of studies on you know what happens when for instance you do the scapegoating scapegoating really involves this kind of developing a sense of contempt for some sort of some sort of group you know it's really interesting well, many of your kids or grandchildren celebrated Dr. Seuss's birthday uh, last week, which is you know an annual event that schools do, but did you know Dr. Seuss began his work and with political cartoons? He, he did and during World War II and before he did propaganda cartoons, and you look particularly how he characterized those of us, those who would be our enemy in the war. In the war, you know, you dehumanize the Japanese, you uh, you know, you whatever down, you know, you, you turn the Germans into. Um, you know, subhuman people. And of course, that's what the German, the Nazi regime was doing to others. So, but there's this kind of thing where it does, it, you know, contempt really allows you to say that not only am I, I'm not my brother's keeper, but they're not my brother or my sister. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's particularly problematic with a country like ours that, you know, it's come together under a number of, of orienting myths and, uh, that when you, with part of the problem when you start, that was interesting. You're talking about uh, an article you just read. How much of America is just accidental? Our success is accidental because of geography, because of, like you said, being under British rule as opposed to Spanish rule. There were a lot of things that came together to allow the United States to become the world power that it is. But uh, I've always thought, uh, and this is true for almost every great country or empire. The enemy within is usually the one that does you does you in. Absolutely, yeah. And this is where I mean, when Jesus says, "Blessed are you when you pray for those who persecute you," you know, the, in some level, like when you humanize the enemy, you 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 cease to let them to be the other. And so, by not othering them, there's something that is healing in your own soul, right? right like that, right. that you're you're kind of because he talks about in the article how. Psychologists say that, that that contempt is like, you know, if gratitude is like chicken soup for the soul, contempt is like cyanide for the soul. Right. <laughs> like, right. it's just really bad. And I actually think that it is a, I mean... Maybe it's like asbestos for the soul. Well, and, there's, and I think there's, yeah, there's versions of it for whether you're a progressive or a conservative in terms of, in terms of how, which direction it goes. Because sometimes there's going to be this sense of, uh, well, just, I think there's a number of things that's going on that are really instructive that you know in terms of you know during the methodist debate okay you know, the fact is those who opposed uh, you know the full inclusion of gay and lesbian folks um and transgendered folks were all painted pretty in one monolithic by the progressive side yeah, yeah. yeah. and um you know you can disagree with a position but to basically Attack them at their very humanity. Say that they, you know, they're, they imposed all kinds of. Obviously, they're not Christian. Obviously, they don't you know, read the Bible fully. Obviously, they don't care about human beings. 
that's hugely problematic. I think the same thing's true when a conservative or, or a traditionalist comes at something merely based on a text or a particular kind of um, approach to authority that uh, is rooted in, you know, prophetic voices that have been long dead or a particular way of thinking where you fail to see the humanity, that there are human beings being affected by by your holding to a particular position, humans are suffering. And that always should make one relook at one's position because I think particularly if you hold to an idea that harms God's children uh, or harms someone created in the image of God, which happens to be everybody, then you have to rethink how that is. But you know that that's it's it's hard to hold on to that when you disagree with someone. And it's hard also, like we've said before, you know, it's hard to really hope when you're trying to when you're basically having a political battle. I mean, it's not you're not it's not a pastoral issue when you're trying when you're voting. If you have to vote on an issue, it no longer is pastoral. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I came across this thing th- thanks to hat tip to Chad Bird on this was on his. Facebook, he came, this prayer, Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Melich Ha'olam Meshonei Habriot. He says, this is a Jewish blessing to be pronounced whenever one sees an unusual looking, unusual looking person or animal. Translated, it reads, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who diversified his creatures or who varies creation. He says, rather than laughing, mocking, finger pointing, or otherwise placing ourselves above others, we kneel before our creator in thanksgiving for his marvelous multifaceted world that, that is anything but static and boring. You know, Luther uh, had, had many great gifts and many um, dark sides as well. But one of my And favorite- all of them flowered <laughs> by the second half of 1517. <laughs> one of my favorite things he once said, uh, and this may be in table talk, uh, but he said there are many or there are as many sinners on our side as there is on theirs. Yeah, yeah. And I do think for me that whether you're talking politics, whether you're talking about, um, um, you know, a theological position or social issue or whatever, I, I think as Christians, it's not a matter of being in the middle because, you know, being for uh, humanity, uh, being for the dignity of all people, being for uh, – seeing the image of God in everyone, being for everyone who Christ died for. That doesn't feel to me like a moderate position. That feels to me to be a fairly radical position that's, that you can get assaulted on that from, all, from multiple sides. Well, well, I mean, it's, you can be in the middle if you're sincerely in the middle. Like, I mean, there are sort of, there is the radical middle, but the problem is like, I mean, Hegel says the truth is in the whole. And Adorno, coming back, Hegel said the whole is a lie, thinking that he's sort of, running roughshod over particular, right. but no, Hegel's saying the whole is all the particulars. And so you're not like, like you can't de-particularize yourself. Right. And this is, yeah. this is why, like, I think that Arthur Clark is saying, you know, like passion's good, like uh, right. debate, disagreement, even passion disagreement is good because that's how the whole is formed. Right. So you, right. It, so you can't artificially put yourself in the middle to avoid the problem. Now, I think some people are, dispositionally formed to, to be in the middle. Right. And that's their particularity, right? And, and blessed are they. Right. Because they're peacemakers. What, what should we say when we see them? We should say, uh, <laughs> Baruch <laughs> no, Adonai. No, I think the people who, there are people who really, you know, I think that's my, one of the things that has changed over my, you know, tenure and over my career 
is that I have deeper appreciation for institutionalists um, because there are some people who are just trying to keep things together for the pension program and so that they can be on the boards, whatever institution they want to be on the board on, uh, which was so much what drove people in my circles in the 90s, when these in the 80s and 90s. But there are true people, you know, uh, Joe Small, someone who you, who you interviewed a while back, and I talked about that. Yeah. There's an institutionalist who I think takes the Hegelian perspective. He, he's a person who has a perspective of the whole, and that's probably one of the reasons why he was often really good about bringing people together and often uh, marginalized by both sides because of yeah. that. Yeah. And I think, but that's to me, the whole list, the, look, trying to see the whole, it may end up meaning that you don't take a partisan position, but it, it, there needs to be a different word for it than, than being in the middle because in some levels, it's saying that, it's trying to get out of a binary position. Well, yeah, and I think again, it's not what I think the key is like whether you're center, right, middle, wherever you are. It's it's sort of you know I, I you know you you could go with Jesus on the speck of dust and the plank and the other, but I mean the better place I think to go is is the Pharisee and the publican. You know the where you know the, where, where the publican is just beating his breast and 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 sincerely contrite. Right. And the Pharisee is doing, you know, is is very punctiliously observant and sort of looking. Thank God I'm not like him. <laughs> and I mean, I, I think very often in our prayers, we thank God we're not like those people, as opposed to focusing on, gosh, look at all the blind spots we have. Right. Look at all the, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's like when James and John are saying, you know, uh, Jesus. One thing we ask, you know, as we're heading to the cross here, when you know, when we make, when we make Israel great again. Can we be the Secretary of Defense and State? You know, can we read the cabinet? And and you know, you're sitting there and you think, well, gosh, what idiots are they? And that's not the question to ask. Right? The yeah. question is to say, where are we missing it like they did? I mean, because yeah. I'm sure they're right with Jesus and they're missing it. What what obvious things must we be missing? Yeah, I think it was Jim Edwards who one time said, if you're listening to the gospel and you identify with Jesus, you've read it wrong. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. so seeing like, and, and that doesn't mean that like you don't think. I don't have a side or, or I don't because no, there are times to say this is, yeah. And, and that's, you, you can't avoid having, no. we'll often we'll have whatever it's on. We'll, we all have particular convictions. Well, for instance, it's the I, way we hold them. Yeah. Well, that's and also Isaiah 58, which was the, uh, you know, the reading this week at, in for Ash Wednesday. Um, God takes a pretty particular side on where, yeah. what true piety is. So, you know, uh, the, you know, I, what I one time uh, remember talking about this, uh, particularly in the '90s, there was a series of social policies that the Catholic Council, American Council, Catholic Council of Bishops, came out with that I thought were very good in the midst of the, you know, kind of the right-left debate, and they took positions on broad principles without saying this particular legislature. And I think sometimes one way we may be able to get out of this as Christians is to be a little more specific about. A, a cluster of issues um, as opposed to a partisan position. So in terms of, you know, inspiring, inspired by Isaiah 58, what does it mean to care for the oppressed? What does it mean to feed the hungry? What does it mean to look after the orphan and those who are most, who are most vulnerable? You know, that's what, you know, the Bible says in a number of different places, that's what true religion is. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, and, and what if you just thought like that the person that would, you know, I remember David Pluff, Pluff, Pluff on the Slate Political Gab Fest. He's married to the woman, Hannah Rosenberg, who does Invisibilia. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Talk about a power couple. Yeah. A power couple that doesn't get rich. Yeah. I hope I hope <laughs> David Plum makes money on the things. Because like, they have a sort of NPR. They're a power thought couple. Power thought couple. But, you know, he was saying something about David French, who they had as a as a guest host one day. And he said, look, I mean, David and I probably disagree on, you know, I think the guys of his ideas uh, were the ones guy in the country. I think they'd be the wrong ideas. And yet I look at him as a person of goodwill that actually really wants the best for the country. And Emily Paxton was kind of, well, I don't know that I think I should. But it was great. I thought like, yeah, like what if you, like, what if when we were disagreeing with somebody like on a hot button, whatever it is, you think whether it's theological or political or culture, like what, how, wow. I'm assuming that they're thinking that they're taking the approach that would bring the most love to the most people. So how could we, how how could I frame it that way? That when they're doing this, they're trying to love these people or, or they think not providing the service is loving or providing the service. Even if I don't think it really would help I think it, I might think it creates self-dependency or, or, or it doesn't, you know, creates dependency and not independence, but that person doesn't want to keep these people down. I mean, they're actually trying to help, you know, how much, how, like, I wonder how differently we would engage if we, if we just tried to, it's very interesting. You know, I, I thought about like, um, say I was, before you came over, I was thinking about John Rawls, you know, who the, the famous, I think it was at Harvard political philosopher had the, his famous thing, the veil of ignorance where, you know, basically you should, but when you're making policy or voting on policy, you should have a veil of ignorance. Imagine, I don't know if I'm straight or gay, black or white, male or female, rich, poor, middle class. I'm, I don't know if I'm Wyoming or California, you know, or Nebraska or Rhode Island. And what policy would I vote if after I voted for it, I'd have to be thrown into the world. And I don't know where I'm going to land. I often think like, how about like the veil of like uh, opinion or something where you're like, Hey, you know, I, I, when I, uh, when I talk about opinions, like I, I, I would, I'll, I'll put the veil of ignorance and I, I, I or veil of a veil of uh, generosity where I'm going to try to sort of, I'm going to talk about uh, myself the way I think, or I'm going to talk about my opponents the way I'd like my opponents to talk about me. Right. You know, right. Or, or I'd like, you know, I, I think like that, that would, you know, yeah, be a nice thing. I, and I don't think you you don't have to fight every battle with every conversation. For instance, I I think you can be generous to other people as human beings, and that doesn't deny the reality of the all pervasive reality of racism in our society. Right, right. Uh, yeah, and things like that, and, and and the problem with white privilege, which really white privilege isn't a privilege. It's a disadvantage because it blinds you to what's really going on with you and those around. Well, I think it. It's an advantage at the. It's an advantage. <laughs> well, it's an, it's, an, it's an advantage. In the kingdom, it might not be. It's an advantage. Advantage. If Jesus is wrong, it's an advantage. Right. Well, I, you're right. Yeah. I right. mean, if Jesus is wrong, white privilege is a great advantage. Well, there's no white privilege, everybody. It's well, a, there's white disadvantage. Well, but no, it's a, from a spiritual perspective. I mean, that's what's damning about us. And in some levels, so many, so much of all what's argued, whether it's on Facebook or it's still such a bourgeois. It's you know, it's bourgeois people moving around the yeah the the, the chairs on the, whatever proverbial boat we're sinking on. But do you know they're rebuilding the Titanic? I did see that another wonderful idea. <laughs> and there are already people that like have bought tickets. I'm like I, know, I, I would wait till the third run. Like 
Yeah, I would. Yeah, definitely not the first one. The but, problem, wait, wait until they get like the great grandson of the original. Yeah, let's get going. <laughs> wait, we found the people that were playing the orchestra. We yeah. found all their descent. Yeah, and if, if Case Winslet is on it, just stay away from the boat. Uh, it would be great, though, if we could do a, a cruise behind it, a live podcast. Like, <laughs> we're, we're in the new Persuasive Words cruise. We're following the tight set. Or we could get one of those Greenpeace boats just jumping up and down. <laughs> but uh, if we got a, if you, if we could get a time machine, um, and go back to like in the 1880s and went to Hell's Kitchen. Uh, you could find two rescue missions and uh, they could be doing the same thing. They could maybe even cooperating. And one could be run by a disciple of D.L. Moody and one could be run by a disciple of Rashomush. So there's a sense where uh, the instinct of Christianity when it's right is to do the things of the kingdom. And part of what we need to do is to try to think about how we can take that spirit. I think it's a wonderful Lenten dis- discipline. How can we try to take that spirit and not participate in the culture of contempt uh, that, um, you know, is already poisoning wells that are that are quite poisoned in our, our society? Yeah, I feel like the first move that for Lenten prayer is like, ref- like Lord, thank you for the forgiveness for when I've been contemptuous, <laughs> like yeah. when I've merited contempt and I didn't get it. I mean, I feel like when we think about you play the movie of your life and you're thinking, God, look at all the things where like I would have contempt for myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, please. Yeah. So, uh, you know, deliver me from my own yeah. self. Yeah. Well, my friends, thank you. And anybody that's uh, watching, I, w- I will probably be at the uh, Colonial Inn in the uh, Humeville Inn singing karaoke. Maybe <laughs> Bill and I. We're actually there recently. Bill and I did You Lost That Love and Feeling together. And was, I think the crowd was crying. It, it was crying, dance. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I want to conclude our podcast with uh, the, the blessing. Okay. The prayer. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Halom Meshino Habriot. Which I'm sure everybody says every time I sing karaoke. <laughs> Thank you, God, for the diversity. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.